I just need a little motivation. Yeah. I just need a little motivation I've been watching Californication I told you to come over, I've been hanging I could paint a picture, but I'd rather hear you say it, yeah Oh, whoa I just need a little motivation I've been watching Californication I told you to come over, I've been hanging I could paint a picture, but I'd rather leave you pacing in your place Yeah, just to think about the reasons you should listen to your demons You'll say it when I say it, you always want this to be even come on. Hey guys, welcome back to Block Channel We're back for episode 64 We've had a pretty good season thus far talking to uh, Ayo Akinyele from the Zcash team um, uh, that's working on bringing uh, lightning-like payments to uh, Layer 2 there. Uh, and then as well as uh, Ari Paul, uh, three other awesome folks. So uh, today we're going to have on uh, a CEO from a company that you may or may not be familiar with. If you're not, hopefully you will be very much so after the show ends. Um, but the company is called White Block. And we're going to be talking to Zach from there, but we'll get back more to him on a, in a moment. But, uh, of course, we're back with another awesome co-host, uh, Petty, who's here to help me dive in on uh, all the really cool technical things that uh, Zach and them are working on uh, his firm. And uh, the, he's the he's a perfect person to hop on here and uh, help pick pick uh, Zach's brain today. So, Corey, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, as always, Dr. Corey Petty. Always happy to talk to people coming on Block Channel. And what's the name of this season again, Mackie? What's that? Season Bull Run. Season man. Bull Run. Nice. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, you know, we're trying to educate everyone and try and get the sentiment around technical projects, developer focused events, speculator related events, and just sort of get the get the narrative straight, you know, see what's uh see what's going on and, and get interesting perspectives from interesting people. And uh, of course, Zach is uh, another really interesting person um, who I had the pleasure of meeting at ETH Denver um, back here in early 2019. Uh, and I was really drawn to him by his beard. He looked like he was very wise. Uh, <laughs> spoke to him and that was the case. And so, uh, you know, he's back here to sort of fill our, fill our minds on more perspectives on kind of just like chain agnostic buildings, uh, kind of like developer oriented, like facing like uh, firms in the space, which is a really interesting niche and also a really difficult one to build uh, a company in, especially right now after this long bear market, uh, folks building on infrastructure and tools and kind of the really essential uh, kind of components and utilities that make all this easier. Uh, it's a really, it's a hard, it's hard, sexy sell, you know, it's very, this technology is great. And, and, but like the immediate returns, like, unless you're also invested in least liquid assets on paper, uh, they're not as clear. And so, but being able to speak to the people that are, you know, still building those tools is, is really important. So, um, Zach, do you want to give us a breakdown uh, on, uh, you know, how you in in introduced yourself into the space before we get into what you got going on at White Block? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Thanks for that intro. Nice to join you guys. Uh, yeah, my name is Zach Cole. I'm CEO of White Block. I first got into blockchain, I think it was around 2012, um, maybe a little earlier, I got into Bitcoin. So initially I was a uh, communications engineer in the Marine Corps. Um, we built out the internet infrastructure, infrastructure in Iraq, um, handled all of the uh, management of uh, cryptographic assets for Department of Defense. Um, kind of, we built some peer-to-peer -peer systems as well. And that's kind of like where my passion lies is peer-to-peer -peer distributed systems and communications. Um, since back in the day, like, you know, downloading, uh, downloading torrents, stuff like that, um, since I was a child. But um, 
I got out of the Marine Corps in 2009, um, and I went to college, and I got uh, I got into uh, I got in a Bitcoin because I was using the deep web, and um, that's when <laughs> introduced me to it. So like when I was when I was out in Iraq, um, me and my me and my platoon, me and my my homies out there, we kind of got into like you know subversive politics. Uh, we set up like some tour nodes out in Iraq, and one of my uh, one of my teammates, one of the, one of the guys that was in charge of me, is actually like super into tour, and he introduced me to that. And I thought that was really fascinating. I was like, oh wow, it's like a secret internet, um, and that kind of laid the foundation for you know what I would get into after the military. Um, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much what got me into it. Hmm. So you made uh you know investments uh you know very early i guess like intellectually and uh financially so you're here today to kind of fill us in on so since you've been in the space and you've enriched yourself with almost so much knowledge and hopefully plenty of bitcoin um let's get into the thick of like what it is you're building at white block uh with that same mindset on building a business and sort of give it give us some history on what white block was before or maybe has turned into or you know has it always been focused on um you know the kind of developer tooling like where's the history there yeah yeah so i after the military i started a bunch of different companies um i got into like uh information security i had a cyber security firm um i was uh um doing some contract work for google and my fiance is now my wife pretty much uh, one day told me I needed to get a real job because she was tired of seeing me <laughs> sitting on my ass every day coming home from work I'm like in my boxers at a computer and I'm like I am working but uh, she just pretty much wanted me out of the house so I applied to a bunch of different companies I wanted to work somewhere local in LA and um, I, I applied to a company called Apposite Technologies and uh, they, they, they built network and uh, application testing uh, software and hardware um, so that was pretty interesting to me. I got into it. Um, I, I was working in, uh, I'd been working in the Ethereum space since like 2015, uh, around there, um, kind of as a hobbyist. And a lot of the projects that I was working on, I noticed is, is that each one of them, uh, had the same, they shared the same kind of bottlenecks. Um, uh, and we, generally that had to do with, uh, public testing and testing and how do you test a blockchain system effectively? And how can you test it in a deterministic, objective way without relying on a public test net? Um, most public test nets were a bottleneck because you have limited participation. So you have a limited number of people that are actually taking part in that test net. You have a limited volume of transactions. You can't really test your protocols at scale. You can't really understand what your maximum throughput is going to be. There's a lot of unknowns that kind of pop up once you're in production and you kind of see things too late, like CryptoKitties, for example you know, um, or like, you know, like the Neo blockchain had an issue uh, when one of their validators went on, went offline, um, you know, the whole system crashed. Um, there has to be a way to predict that and understand and test for those things, you know, ahead of time in a way that makes sense that the, uh, that's more deterministic. So that's kind of where, uh, that's kind of the genesis of white block. Um, I was working at that company. I was putting the, using a lot of these tools. I thought, hey, look, we could probably package some of this tooling and put together something that's specific for blockchain. But this was like early 2017. Nobody really knew what the hell I was talking about when I said blockchain. <laughs> so 
um, I kind of just put together a proof of concept and built stuff out on my own to like work on my own to help me learn more about, you know, consensus algorithms and peer to peer distributed systems and like how, uh, how all of these asynchronous um, protocols actually work. So that's kind of, I put it all together. And then, uh, and then in around whenever the bubble started, everyone was like, Hey, you remember that blockchain thing you're talking about? That's Bitcoin, right? Let's kind of give you some money and start a new company and try to focus on that and see where it goes. It's kind of what led us here. <laughs> oh man. So I, that's definitely like a, like an awesome origin story of how you came into being and something that's incredibly useful for the entire ecosystem. But there's, I feel thinking about this from your explanation, there's um, like almost like a conflicting uh, bottleneck here. One's going to be like a theoretical bottleneck versus like an implementation bottleneck or what actually happens in reality. Have you experienced that when trying to work on different systems? Like this is the thing that should be, you know, you would imagine would be the constraint on what your transaction throughput is, but in reality, it's something completely different. Yeah. So one of the, one of the primary like functions that we provide is, uh, uh, you know, white block is kind of like an orchestration platform in itself, like similar to something like Kubernetes, mm -hmm. except it's specifically designed for blockchain, right? So what it allows us to do is like spin up a node within its own VLAN and another node within its own VLAN and multiple nodes, as many as you want, and they each are assigned their own IP addresses. So they exist within their own logical space. And when they communicate with one another, they're communicating through the actual network interface card um, the same way that they would over the internet. And that allows us to um, configure the links between those nodes with like latencies and packet loss or bandwidth constraints or any number of realistic network conditions. So we're actually replicating um, a uh, distributed system at scale in a way that's completely controllable. Mm -hmm. So generally when people are testing, they're testing within some sort of monolithic environment like my laptop, right? Or if I'm just testing within a Kubernetes cluster or if I'm testing on AWS, um, all that is great, but it's not going to give you actual results, the same results that you would see in the real world, uh, because there is no latency there. And the weak bottleneck within distributed systems is going to be that latency between those nodes. So um, if you can't really account for that when you're developing, uh, you're going to kind of figure it out the hard way. Yeah, I imagine. I, I mean, most test works or work on like, hey, we can if you look at a lot of what the early development was in terms of private chains and the development around that, that's basically what it was. All of their kind of um, attestations to how well their private chain works was basically what they could do on a on a nice bulky cluster within the same, sorry, not cluster, nice bulky machine within like basically the same computer. And right. it was un unrealistic. But right, and the alternative is like, you know, when we first started off, we just had like a rack of servers. But still, those rack of servers are communicating to one another on the same local yeah. area network. Yeah. So it's like the equivalent mm -hmm. of like me writing a note and handing it to the guy next to me versus sending a letter or like an email or something like that, right? There's going to be logical latency because of geographic distribution. So what are some of uh, the companies that you guys have worked with so far, some of the initiatives um, you guys have embarked on to sort of solve this? I know you guys have worked with uh, like the ETH 2.0 guys, like just like recently with, um, you know, I guess like peer-to-peer -peer like messaging amongst the chains. Maybe you can just sort of like speak to that and kind of what your focus has been. Yeah, so we've worked with a whole lot of different companies. Um, uh, we've been working with ETH 2 for 
over a year now. Um, like early last year, we were running tests on the libp2p implementation of Gossip Sub, uh, working with the ETH research team to, um, you know, kind of vet uh, sharding and understand how sharding is actually going to work um, within an actual network. Um, we've worked pretty extensively with like uh, um, uh, like Aon. Uh, we've worked with Starkware. We've worked with um, uh, our chain we've worked with um uh, we've worked a lot with um uh consensus and done a lot of consensus work there so that includes pegasus um working on pantheon um we work with the enterprise ethereum alliance we're kind of uh leading the enterprise ethereum alliance's um test network so that's for like conformance tests and interoperability um well, we've worked with a, a lot of different teams plasma group uh, Ethereum Classic, uh, Binance, pretty much worked with anybody that wants to work with us. And since we're uh, protocol agnostic, we can support any particular, any blockchain that's not just specific to Ethereum. So when you, when you, when, I'm trying to look at or think about what the typical engagement is when trying to come at white block with something and say like at me, um, having made something and wanting to test it, is it, do you start off with like us having a large conversation about how it works, what the fundamental communication is, um, so on and so forth, so that you can come up with like potential theoretical problems with this, and then you basically orchestrate a network and then simulate specific types of traffic? How do you like? I'm yeah. assuming that's what it looks like. like. And then how automating do you... transactions? Yeah, that was so my like next question. Load, load testing and stress testing. I mean. Uh, Stuff that's really interesting to me and a lot of my earlier research was like investigating like 51% attacks um, and like Byzantine fault tolerance, like seeing what happens when uh, segments of the network are unable to communicate with other segments of the network. So like, let's say we have a 100 node network, what happens when, uh, you know, 30 of those nodes are cut off from the rest? How does that affect consensus? Uh, what are the implications of that? Um, a lot of the, uh, some other earlier research that I was really into was like the effects of uncle rate on performance in Ethereum and what, what are the implications of security there? Uh, because theoretically, if your uncle rate is high enough, um, you're actually not putting to use um, the overall hashing, all of the overall hashing power to secure the network. So technically you don't really need 51% control of the network in order to engage in what we call a 51% attack. So how low does that number go? What conditions and what, how does the network present? Like when the network presents in particular ways, how does that affect security? You know, so those are a lot of the things that I've, that personally been um, interested in doing. Um, a lot of people, a lot of our customers um, and clients um, want benchmarking. So like they want to benchmark against the EVM or something like that. Um, someone like, like Ubik was one of our earlier customers and they implemented their own custom difficulty algorithm. So they just like Fort Geth implemented their own custom difficulty algorithm that targeted an 88 second block time. And they wanted to uh, test what the maximum gas uh, limit would be. Um, if it were up to 40 million with that Im impact throughput, how does that compare to like the existing um, implementation of Ethereum and Geth? Um, that, was a, that was a benchmark that they wanted to run. So a lot of people want to run bench benchmarks, but they also want to like justify that their changes are actually going to uh, result in like a positive outcome in terms of performance. And it's not going to, uh, uh, you know, reduce performance or have any negative impact on performance. So like the Starkware guys we worked with recently were, were testing an EIP. Um, they wanted to, like, we worked with them to like 
um, validate that this implementation of Geth is going to work properly without having any negative effects. Aeon, particularly, we're working with them still. They want to run a benchmark of the AVM against the EVM uh, with like a focus primarily on like storage, like reading write read and write speeds, and mm -hmm. like how contracts are handled within the AVM. Um, that's still a project that's ongoing. Um, we haven't we haven't quite finished that one yet. We're still working on it. Syscoin, for example, wanted to test what their maximum throughput is. Um, implementing the uh, uh, a zero, uh, well, they call it the ZDAG. So it's like a zero confirmation directed acyclic graph. So uh, like they have a pretty complex architecture, but they wanted to see what the throughput was going to be with the ZDAG. And we measured that to be on average somewhere around like 16K or transactions per second. Do you have any of these things like any sort of like marketable material form or like white paper wise, like on your site or any, or any place. Cause like these sound like they'd be some pretty interesting, like, you know, kind of post-mortem analysis to like glean over. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We have a, we have a pretty extensive um, library of, of, of materials um, like the, like reports. Uh, we also have a medium. A lot of the stuff is on our medium account. Um, um, uh, we have a lot of, yeah. So, so that, that can all be found on our website. Is that just whiteblock.com? whiteblock.io cool cool awesome all right i'm gonna bring up some of those because that sounds like those are gonna be some really yeah good things i'd like to dig into those and that kind of leads me to my like, next question and that is working with so many different projects with so many different architectures trying to iterate or innovate into various different parts of blockchain networks or peer-to-peer -peer systems have you found overall trends in kind of uh, what's holding everything back in terms of like real innovation or real adoption um, I think particularly a lot of people, you know, they make trade-offs. There's performance and then there's security, right? And like, I think a lot of people trade off performance uh, or they, they trade off security in order to like achieve a higher degree of performance. I think when like Steve and I first met, we had just concluded like, or like our, or recently concluded our EOS reports. So we did like a full audit oh, on yeah, our of EOS. And, um, you know, I don't really like, want to talk too much about EOS anymore. I don't think anybody really is, but you know, they, they, made, they made some pretty considerable trade-offs, you know, and we kind of called all that out in our report and the EOS community was like, nah, that doesn't really matter. And most of the issues that we, that we called out in our report have come to fruition. So. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. So I think like uh, making like low, like making promises, like low, like, like making promises like instant finality or like low finality or like low low block times i think those are all huge security risks that i often see um is that a matter of um the trustlessness of this of the consensus protocol or is it or, or is it like a fundamental network constraint yeah i think it's a fundamental network constraint and i mean Finality isn't really, you can't really guarantee finality in a, in a, in an asynchronous distributed system. At least like in a global FL context. Well, that's like the FLP proof, right? Yeah. So like back in, are you familiar with the FLP proof, FLP impossibility? Yes. Okay. All right. I'm, um, I'm, I'm going to assume that all of our listeners are not though. Yeah. So like back in the eighties, there was this like huge mainframe market and they all guaranteed like a hundred percent uptime and availability. And, um, um, uh, FLP, uh, what was it? Frederick Lynch and Patterson, I believe, um, came out here. Let me make sure that I got those names right. 
and I'll be linking this 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 to the the show notes as well for listeners. Yeah. So no, it was Fisher, Lynch, and Patterson. Yeah. So that was Michael Fisher, Nancy Lynch, and uh, Mike Patterson. So they they came out and they said, hey, you can't guarantee 100% uptime availability. It's 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 a mathematical improbability. Like it's impossible. Um, so they wrote this uh, they wrote this proof that said, you know, you can't guarantee 100% uh, um, availability. You can't you can't guarantee that uptime. Um, that's uh, and that, and, and that within an asynchronous distributed network, that's simply because on a long enough timeline, like there's no way to tell between a process that has failed to complete or execute and one that's just simply taking a really long time to finish. So because of that, we can't really make any, any guarantees. It's the same reason that like proof of work and Nakamoto consensus, like there is no hundred percent finality. There's only this, this probabilistic finality. It's because we can't make those guarantees in an asynchronous distributed network. So basically, in your in your in your opinion, um, there's only like it's it's one of those trilemma situations where it's like choose two. Some people say they've gotten over it, and usually they're making a serious compromise without actually saying that they're making that serious compromise. Um, and that's yeah, exactly. kind of kind of that's kind of up what we're up against, and it's not a situation of um, finding the right algorithm or you know network optimizations or you know just putting making these things communicate better it's 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 a it's a fundamental constraint of of how things that are differentiated or 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 away from each other can possibly talk to each other and agree on something right yeah i mean there's just there's just time to take it takes time to communicate between these things and same thing for byzantine fault tolerance right like byzantine fault tolerance when you talk about bad actors you're not necessarily talking about bad guys that are trying to like hack the system we're talking about like faulty processes you know processes that like we can't guarantee that they're going to complete in time you know so we need to do the best that we can uh under those assumptions but within public blockchains that's even more difficult because we have very limited visibility into what the entire network actually presents. Like, I don't know who the node on the other end is, and I don't have any control over that node. And uh, I don't even know if that node is going to be, is, is going to, is going to be responsive or not. Right. So like, you know, um, um, Leslie Lamport said that a distributed system is one in which the failure of a computer that you had no idea existed what could cause yours to crash. Sit on that for a while. <laughs> yeah. So, so where do you go? I, like, I mean, I think you've, 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 you've found yourself a nice niche in this um, because I'd say Nakamoto consensus has drawn a tremendous amount of new attention into the creation of distributed systems in a lot of ways, as well as funding yeah. for that research. Absolutely. Um, and more often than not, people who create these things um, don't know how to test these things. Right. And uh, what's nice about kind of building a company around specializing in testing is the type, the way in which you test and the things you test for and knowing what to look for is somewhat ubiquitous across all distributed systems. Yeah, is- well, I think that it, it, it also comes down to like uh, um, use case. Like not everybody is going to need a high degree yeah. of security. Like everybody's trying to say like, oh, what are the business use cases for blockchain? Like, what are the what, what's enterprise going to do? What do what do they want? What's what are their concerns? And not everybody really needs to care about security because within something like a permission network, for instance, 
I have a definite, I have a definitive list uh, or understanding of like who I'm communicating with. Like I'm whitelisting particular IPs. I'm not just communicating in the wild across like a inherently adversarial terrain. Yeah, and they're combined you know incentives. I mean? Like, you know, everybody working for a company, it's probably uh, once the company succeed. Yeah. Right. So there's, I think, I think that it's a lot, uh, a lot to do with like what the, what the use case is. And, you know, with something like Bitcoin, what we're doing is we're like transferring value across like, you know, public, we want something that's censorship resistant. Uh, we want like, you know, uh, some degree of control or not control, but uh, like, I suppose confidence that the transactions are going to, you know, finalize. And that requires me to communicate in a very specific way. So, I mean, within peer to peer systems, that's going to be really difficult. And that's why like, Bitcoin has a 10 minute block time, right? That's to account for like that latency and to prevent the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, occurrence of like orphan blocks, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so, but yeah, yeah. I mean, testing, I think is a pretty good niche for us. I mean, we've translated a lot of our utilities and processes into a SaaS platform so that we're going to release. So that way anybody can kind of like test with the same amount of granularity that they would pay us for. Um, they can just, which is quite costly. They can just run the tests on their own within a SaaS platform. We also have some open source testing utilities as well. Um, so the opposite of that, um, like the whole idea of testing is to build models and then, and then, um, basically, uh, stress test those models to see where things could possibly go wrong. But with every model, you make approximations, What what can you, what, what does testing not get you? Right. What, what are some things that you just like maybe potentially can never grasp or get real results from or intuition from from creating testing frameworks and seeing how things go? Um, well, a lot of the times, I mean, and this is a problem with simulations as well, is like um, uh, sometimes you can't really account for edge cases and they're all there are always going to be unknowns, right? So like with a simulation, for example, like the simulation is only going to be as good as the data set that you provide. Yeah. So it's going to be difficult for you to be able to anticipate something that's outside that realm of knowledge. So what we're trying to do is like create those environments that run as accurately as possible in relation to like, you know, uh, um, like a main net uh, that allows you to just play out an, a, a variety of scenarios, you know, um, but there's no way to like account for something that you don't really know about, you know, or something that you're not aware of, you know, so it's very hard to, to come to a statistical, um, uh, uh, you know, conclusion that like, you know, this is the way that it is or how it'll perform publicly. What has been, um, I guess, fundamentally across uh, all these different projects that you've worked with, the different research you guys have put out, et cetera. What's been the most like common like fundamental flaw or issue that these teams or or, or kind of like folks are considering before it goes into a more like public adversarial environment when it comes to launching their, I guess, initiatives or chain? I think I think it comes from two fundamental misunderstandings when it comes to like distributed systems, and that's one, you know. Um, uh, like what I mentioned earlier, like we can't guarantee any particular type of consensus within an asynchronous distributed system and two reliance on timing. Um, like, ha like a lot of pro some, some protocols like rely on time and they, and they, they assume that this is going to happen within some particular bound. But since each machine itself is relying on its own internal clock, 
um, though there can be time drift, there can be clock drift, there can be a discrepancy between the timing on one node versus the timing on another. And uh, timing is the biggest enemy in, com in, in computing because time doesn't really exist. You know, I mean, it's not something that can be quantified uh, mathematically, um, you know, in a deterministic, like universal way. Ain't that the truth. Yeah. It definitely poses a lot of interesting interesting consequences in trying to make things work together automatically. Right. So like how, how can you guarantee how can you guarantee that like the timing of one machine is going to be the same as another? I mean, when you have no control over those machines and you want to provide limited visibility into what the structure of those machines actually are, like your nodes and your peers within like a public blockchain should pretty much operate like a black box or as much as possible, right? So how can you make those guarantees that consensus has been achieved and that there isn't going to be any type of uh, reorg or like reversion of transactions like or like double spends, you know? In that light, yeah. go, go ahead, Mac, you go on. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, 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 I was just going to say, well, you know, this, this has been very helpful, I guess, also in my own general uh, understanding further and what it is White Block's been working on. Sounds like you guys are a lot more extensively engaged with uh, a lot more different chains than I had like previously imagined. I knew you about your work with EOS. I knew about your work with Ethereum stuff, but I wasn't aware of the other uh, folks you've been working with. Um, I guess before we close up and leave out of here, my last question would be like, what's what's been one of the most interesting things you guys have like worked on um, or, or an experience that you've had in the space that's most memorable? Um, I've really enjoyed my time working on ETH too. I think that it's pretty it's pretty cool idea, and I really hope that it works out. Um, we're working on with the Ethereum Foundation on ETH2 and like testing, defining that protocol stack. Um, I'm really interested in continuing to collaborate and contribute to like the development of like libp2p and like a standardized peer-to-peer -peer stack. I think that like uh, blockchain itself is only really like one piece of a puzzle, and we need a lot more because what we're trying to achieve essentially is like a decentralized web, or like eliminating like the gatekeepers of data as they exist right now. That's like Google, Facebook, Amazon, all those guys uh, in web in the web two space. So that way we can hearken in web three. So I think there's going to be a lot more work that needs to be done. And I think that includes um, uh, exploring potential uh, stacks like outside of specifically blockchain, like blockchain isn't just the one size fits all solution. Like, you know, it's cool and interesting from a financial perspective, but on a broader scale, like what is it that we're trying to build? Like, I think we need to build more tools that are appropriate to these like distributed systems and focus more on peer-to-peer -peer protocols and the network stack as well. I think that's going to be the next bottleneck for everybody. So well said, man. That was very good. Yeah, heavily agree on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so well, we're just doing doing what we can to help support those those efforts, and we work with anybody who's like-minded. Well, hey, man, glad to have you on the show. Glad we were able to educate our audience on what it is you got cooking up there. Um, we'll put all the interesting stuff that we discussed like in like the show notes and stuff like that so people can get back to see them, especially ones to white block. Um, and, you know, of course, come back on in the, in the future once you've uh, cobbled together more messaging, getting these chains talking, getting these nerds talking, uh, something you also do really well. So I appreciate all your commentary on uh, Twitter and, uh, and your cult of personality that surrounds you and your team it's it's a lot of fun yeah thanks a lot really appreciate the invite I can take a hit.